Welcome back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast with your host, John Fedro. Tune in weekly, plus listen to past episodes designed to make you money, save you time, and give you confidence as an active mobile home investor. Now, here's your host, John Fedro. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast. This is episode number 26. In this uh, episode, we're talking about moving into things too fast, or not into things, just moving too fast or kind of rushing into things. Um, I'm super glad to have uh, my co-host on the microphone, Ryan. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, This is going to be a fun podcast. We're going to talk about moving (laughs) just kind of moving too quickly sometimes, not having both eyes open or assuming things. Um, just a really quick kind of background about myself. Um, been involved in well over 100 deals, currently in Austin, Texas. Um, Ryan, uh, sort of deals under your belt in general location that you're that you're in? Yeah, I've um, been investing in mobile homes uh, and got about seven deals done. Nice. Um, it's been exciting. Um, and I am in kind of the Washington, D.C. and Maryland area. Awesome. Cool. You have, um, your area is really unique. We actually did a, uh, um, a case study together that will be out a little bit later, uh, but you're in a very unique area, which I think is awesome. You've had uh, the ability now to get into a number of deals. How many of your... <laughs> What percentage of your mobile homes do you feel? I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. But which part of your deals do you feel like you, or how many of of these seven homes do you feel like you moved onto them too quickly? Or what are your sort of over you know your uh, bird's eye view thoughts? Yeah, I think probably about half of them. Uh, I I think I, I moved a little bit too quickly on. Um, probably the first few deals I did. Uh, the first few deals I did. I. I you know, made some mistakes and, and really kind of just wanted to get the home bought, you know? And so I just, you know, just rushed right into it, you know? And, uh, but the other ones, I think that I've been able to now, uh, take a little bit of stock, uh, assess things a little bit differently and maybe, um, maybe go a little slower, even though time is always of the essence, you know? Um, so it, it's, it's, to me, there's a little bit of a, a line or a little bit of, a. uh, scenario to sort of be, to, to be carefully uh, uh, discerned in a way about like, you know, how fast to move uh, and, or, or, or not, because uh, sometimes really, you know, what you're saying to the seller is like, yeah, I want it. I can pay this price and I can pay it tomorrow, but this is also my price. So um, it kind of depends, but I think half of them have been like really good learning experiences for me in the sense that I, I moved too quickly and, and the deals have panned out in the end, like you said, but, but yeah, I definitely learned some learn some things in the process there's whenever we're looking at a mobile home deal i mean it depends if it's a mobile home on land a mobile home in a park a package deal of multiple mobile homes an entire mobile home community and in all those different scenarios there's different uh, amounts of due diligence that you can do some of the due diligence is um, more benign than others some is you know some things are very costly some mistakes that you overlook or can you know traps that you can fall into are very very costly some are not as costly some involve your credit some involve your reputation some involve just the cost or like the stress that you'll be under or you know you do trust people too much or people lying to you so we'll be talking about a, a kind of a bunch of that in this podcast 
Um, and I'm really glad to have you here, Ryan. And thank you for <laughs> for just opening up and you know talking about some stuff that may yeah, be uncomfortable. So yeah, folks can basically yeah sort of just you know learn through kind of osmosis and just kind of hear different stories. Yeah. So with um, with with mobile home investing, I kind of like to go back and forth on maybe some different examples. Um, and I you know I was sort of scouring my brain before this podcast or for the last few days you know I was really getting excited about this particular podcast about kind of rushing into things and I was thinking me personally I have like my personality I've definitely rushed into one or two things which we'll talk about but most of my rushing into into bad experiences is rushing into not so much the deals itself. I feel like I have analysis of paralysis or I used to when it comes to like mobile homes in parks on land. And I would be too greedy sometimes, or I would just, I'd be too, you know, fixed on the price that Mm. I wanted, or I would just be too, yeah, too much in my own way of, you know, not moving quick enough. So I actually lost some deals, which I kicked myself and really just beat myself up over and over again for like losing a handful of deals at the time and so it that was just an interesting thought like i mean because i I thought i would have all these examples of me rushing into deals Um, i do have examples of rushing into like handymen i've rushed into that that relationship way too quickly Uh, rushed into um, tenant buyers and just sold the home to the wrong tenants or the wrong renters i have you know that those stories i can talk for a long time but rushing into actual mobile home Mm -hmm. deals uh, I did on one of my first mobile homes I purchased. It was a mobile home on a piece of land, and I I negotiated it well. I actually purchased it. It was from these – I remember these sellers that were like twice my age. I'm like, what am I doing here? How am I going to help these people? I'm like in my – well, not I felt like I was a teenager. I was very, very early, early 20s. And I purchased this home subject to the underlying mortgage. It was a mobile home on land. They owed 30, roughly 30-something 30 mm-hmm. to the bank. They wanted maybe $10,000 more to walk, to walk away. I didn't have that money, so I agreed to make them payments for their $10,000 and also – uh, catch up their back payments on the amount of money that they owed to the bank. They were just behind to the bank. So I caught up their back payments and I continued mm-hmm. making money on their underlying loan. So I took the deed right away from the people that uh, are listening that aren't sure mm-hmm. about you know this strategy. I took the deed right away and I left the underlying loan in place. That's not what I rushed into. All that was fine. What I rushed into was I was so excited and I wanted to save some money. So I didn't do a proper... Uh, closing. I didn't do a proper closing at a title company at a real estate attorney's office. I just did my own title closing at the counter at the at the kitchen table. Wrote up all my own documents. That really wasn't the issue. The issue was not doing a title search, where the title company or the closing mm-hmm. attorney searches throughout history to make sure that the person who's selling you the home has 100% ownership. There's no other hidden liens. I just took the guy's uh, the uh, seller's honesty or i took their words as as honesty john we 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 only owe this amount of money to the bank and i called the bank and i verified and okay yeah he's right he owes this amount of money to the bank he's behind i'm gonna catch him up but you know he must be telling me the truth well long story short a year later after i purchased this home filled it up for a while and then resold it uh, I found a bank finance buyer to kind of cash me out a, a year in advance or a year in the future but the bank when I was selling it to that person, unbeknownst to me, a $7,000 child support lien popped up. The guy who I bought it from hadn't paid his child support in over mm. how I don't know how many years, and it was up to $7,000 of 
back uh, fees and charges and all this other stuff. So I ended up making, I ended up walking away with over $30,000 profit uh, when all said and done, but it could have been $7,000 more. So it really wasn't a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, it was still at the time more money than I ever held in my life, but it just did kind of suck about just, and I tried to get that money back from the guy. And then I, you know, he was kind of a, shouting match and then or not get the money back but i tried telling him like you know you, oh, no. you know, it just didn't work out i you know ultimately i put my tail between my legs and i was the one that made the mistake i didn't do the title search in the beginning so that was just kind of rushing into closing like i didn't want to spend the money it was a to- it was a totally being a being a yeah. cheap thing i didn't want to spend the money on a title search and yeah. uh you know just thought i could do it myself and again it wasn't as terrible as it uh, could have been but um, I just think that was kind yeah. of an interesting story for kind of not, but I guess that was sort of rushing into the deal too quick. I wanted to close. Yeah. I just, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't in like a logical decision at all. So, um, anyone that's listening, if you do purchase a mobile home on private land, you're yeah. purchasing a single family residence, get yourself a title policy, a title insurance policy, have the title search done by a legitimate, you know, title representative, title agent, closing attorney, someone that knows what they're doing. Um, I think that sort of goes without, that's like, yes, let's say 101, I think <laughs> for like, you know, for closing. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, and it's definitely worth the money yeah. to have, to have the title done, the title work done. But it's like, yeah, it's interesting because I, I have the same mindset and, and I think a lot of, a, a lot of investors, both new and old, and the thing is like, it's almost like anything to save a buck, you know? And, uh, you know, usually maybe it, it, it'll work out, but sometimes it, it'll bite you. Um, and it's just good that it's good that that, that you know, it wasn't it wasn't worse in any oh, way, you know, completely. Uh, so. I mean, it was a slap on the yeah. wrist or it, I mean, for yeah. what it was, luckily, I did walk away. It was a very, you know, it was a it was a profitable deal. But when you get in that moment, I mean, yeah. luckily, that one, it wasn't it was seven grand costly, but it wasn't like detrimental to the deal. But when you're in that moment, you know, in a movie where. I don't know how they make this visual effect, but it's like they're they're like the cameras on the main guy and then they sort of zoom in on the main guy. But then the background sort of zooms out and you have that moment of like, oh, Uh, crap, like, (laughs) yeah. And just like that, just that feeling that you're sort of by yourself or like, what did I do? And you're already there. You're already stepping on the landmine. You're already involved in the deal. So it's like you have to push through it. And it's because you didn't do the research in the beginning. Sometimes you don't know what to do and what not to do. This is not the attitude of like, I'm just going to go ahead and do it by myself. Or, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll kind of wing it and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was my sort of the first story of like rushing into the deal so quick. Um, do you have one that yeah. uh, you think can uh, top that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a good one. I don't know that any of my stories can top yours, but uh, the first... <laughs> no, not a competition. I hope they can't, to be honest with I you. I hope gonna, that they I'm cannot. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna surrender from the beginning and just say, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think when I think about it, like I like I said before, I think a lot of my, you know, I've been a real estate investor only for you know three four years now, and um, I think a lot of my a lot of my early decisions have been colored by kind of an emotional desire uh, or spontaneity or whatever to kind of just to, to rush into the deal or, or almost kind of like I like you know it's like I've got this money burning in my pocket you know and it's losing value unless I need to invest it right now you know um, 
And I, I kind of think about my first my first mobile home deal that I did. I, you know, it, it took me probably six weeks of marketing and talking to park managers um, and things like that, and driving around to different parks um, to, to to find to find this deal. And um, I'm, I'm in a pretty expensive market, you know. So uh, a lot of a lot of the parks, you know, can be quite high priced. And um, it's not uncommon to see homes uh, in, in in nice parks, you know, kind of closer into to metro areas, you know, routinely going for thirty to sixty grand, you know. And so I thought, well, you know, golly, those are not the types of homes um, I'm really looking for, you know. Um, so, but I was just marketing and looking for this deal, and then someone uh, called me up and and said, well, I've got a mobile home, you know. Uh, that I'm, uh, I'm looking to sell, and I thought I'd call you, and it's a three-bed, two-bath, and it's in this park, and, uh, you know, it's got, got some repairs needed and these sort of things, and I said, you know, I asked her a lot about the home, and, and I said, well, how much are you asking for it? And she said, well, I, I'm asking $4,000, and I think that's a very fair price, and this, and, and I, when I was on the phone with her, I just about jumped out of my skin. I almost said, I'll take it, you know, <laughs> right, over the, right over the phone. Because I, I just hadn't come across anybody that was willing to sell their home in the area for $4,000, you know. So I went out to go and look at the home, but, um, you know, it's like I had already decided even before I went that I was definitely going to buy this home, you know. And I was just like thinking, you know, this home, you just can't miss, you know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm definitely doing this. And it almost doesn't matter, you know, what, what she says about it, you know, or what it looks like. You know, I'm going to do this. Oh, so I, I went out there and um, I uh, – the woman was not, I would say she's not a hoarder, but she wasn't too far off from it. So the home was very, very messy, and it was hard to, you know, walk around the home, you know, just because there was stuff everywhere. So it was really hard to check all the places in the floor to see if there were soft spots, and it was um, it was hard to kind of like look in cabinets to see if there was any sort of damage from, you know, leaking, leaking pipes under the sink or anything like that, um, and, uh, and and she had one, one room in the house that had been kind of like completely gutted, like they were trying to renovate it themselves but never got to it, so it was filled with junk and it was just a plywood subfloor and, and so all that stuff, so, um, and I had noticed while I was there some, there were some like, uh, there were a few roaches around, you know, and I was like, oh, well, that's no big deal, you know, I hadn't dealt with roaches before, you know, and other rental properties and stuff, but the, you know, but so um, I agreed to her purchase price, you know, just right there. And um, and when I got when I got in, into the home, it just there was a lot there was a lot more to do than I thought. You know, there were more soft spots on the floor that needed to be fixed, and I, and I realized, you know, the cabinets were in way worse shape than I realized. Um, you know, the there's uh, the bathroom surround needed to be put in. Um, the roach infestation was a whole heck of a lot worse than I thought. The roof was leaking, you know, uh, the exterior door wouldn't close, the back door wouldn't close all the way, and the whole the door jam all there was all rotted, and so that all needed to be replaced. So you know, all these repairs that um, <clears throat> that had to be done that I was like thinking, man, I just like I should have, you know, I should have opened this door. I should have looked at it. I should have like taken my time walking around the outside of, of the home, you know. Um, I don't know. So, so we did these repairs, and uh, and I was getting, I was really, 
uh, thinking, you know, after I started doing these repairs, I'm like, oh man, these repair costs are really mounting. And, um, and I've got to, I want to get it sold before I have to pay another month of lot rent, you know? And, but, uh, but the buyers that were coming to look at the place were, um, pretty put off by the roach problem, which is, (laughs) (laughs) can you believe it? (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And it it, it was taking a little longer to get, to get a handle on the roach problem than I thought it was going to, you know, and so I was like getting stressed out and stressed out and, you know, the first of the month is approaching and I got to make the lot rent payment, you know, and, um, and then this, um, I don't know, then this young couple came to, to buy the home and um, I, I don't, they, they were young and they were kind of, they were looking for a place to move to. And it sounded like they were also under a deadline for the first of the month. Um, and they didn't mind making some of the repairs that needed to be made. And we sort of worked on a discount uh, for finishing up some of the repairs. Um, and they moved in pretty quick. Um, but it's almost like they had the same problem that I did is that they, they wanted to move into the home pretty quick. So it was interesting, the tenant buyer, uh, too, sort of, they were like rushing into it. And once, once they got into the home, realizing all the repairs that they wanted to make, and then realizing that there was a roach problem, we had some unhappy campers in there. And, um, and, uh, but also, um, turned out that these tenant buyers, that the husband also had a drug problem, uh, which he was using kind of renovating the home as an excuse to have a place for, for his friends and him to kind of, uh, to use as their own, you know, recreational, uh, you know, place. And, uh, so they ended up splitting up and then giving the home back. So for, it was like for a few months, this place, this home was like, I had more repairs to do than I thought I was going to, the tenant buyers that got in there, didn't make a payment, had a drug problem, split up, gave the home back. And it was a wreck once they gave it back. And, uh, and it was like three months later and I was, you know, like four thousand dollars probably and then three or four thousand dollars in renovation into the home, you know, and, and it just like had had to pay lot rent and it was like three or four months after the first deal and I was like, This is terrible. <laughs> so so I was definitely feeling like I was kicking myself at that point and just wanting to kind of do whatever I could to get out from under it. Happily, I uh, yeah. as soon as I as soon as I got the those tenant buyers out of there, I, I just paid for some junk removal and was able to sell it within three or four days to, to somebody else as a handyman special, um, who a guy who's a carpenter who has a steady job and who knew how to do the repairs and wanted to do the repairs himself. So um, he, he and he was really happy about kind of the way that we could work the uh, work the uh, financing on it. So. It turned out fine in the end, and he's been he's been a really great a really great tenant buyer in there. But but man, those first few months were really were really tricky, really really kind of stressful. So. Let's <laughs> to say to say the least. Yeah. To, um, the now uh, let's 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 dissect that. The first of all, the what was the with this gentleman in the home? What were the sales terms? Oh, it was the uh, gentleman in there. Yeah, so he paid uh, $2,000 down, and he's got um, uh, $300 a month for four years. Okay, nice. Yeah. So that's the high high teens in price? Yes. Something around there? Okay, awesome. Yeah. The um, 
let's dissect this a little bit from the very beginning because there, there's a couple things that you rushed in on. Now, the, it's sort of understandable. So you've been, you know, everything, you, you do not drag your feet. So from the very beginning of when we got started together, it was six weeks before you closed your first deal, correct? Yeah. Give or take? Yes. So that's six weeks. I mean, you are hustling. There's things that we're doing. We're going to multiple parks. We're talking to a bunch of people. We're doing five or six things in over, in all these areas. Yeah. And so it's sort of understandable that, you know, six weeks down the road, you're like, I'm ready to do this. I mean, it's, it's a discipline to say, you know, like, to just know that more yeah. opportunities are coming. If you could say something to that, in all, I think only you would know, really. If What could you say to yourself as you're walking through that home? What do you think you could go back in time and say to that version of, of, of Ryan that, you know, just to, like, slow down or, like, you know, take a deep breath or, like, yeah. what was it? Because you were just so chomping at the bit to do a deal. Is yeah. there something that you could have said that would have made it, like, just to take a breath or to? Yeah, I think that's – I think what you said is good. I think just to say slow down, you know. And also to say, like, you don't have to do this deal. It doesn't seem like it right now, um, but there will be more deals. It's, like, funny because <laughs> when, you know, it's when you don't have a deal in the pipeline or something like that. I, I often think about this with, it's, they say, like, goldfish have about a 15-second memory, you know? <laughs> and I sometimes feel like I'm that way or that investing can be that way. I sort of feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't have a deal right now. I've never had a deal. I need to find one, you know, but it's like, it's like, just hang on, you know, like in another, you know, another one will come, could come up tomorrow, you know, um, like, uh, so, so just, so be patient and, and, and don't, don't hang your hat. Your whole world doesn't revolve around this, around this deal, you know? Um, the other thing is that I would think I would probably try to tell myself, like, just take your time in the home and look around like you don't have a time limit on this visit you know like don't be afraid to ask questions um just look at everything try to just see everything in the home you know well and said. also like don't feel like you need to do the seller any favors you know she's asking this price and she'd like that price and maybe she could even find somebody to give to, to, to give her that price and that would be fine um but but like don't be afraid there have been many times when I've been afraid to say a lower offer than what I think the seller wants to hear, you know? Um, and I think um, just getting over that and just being like, just don't be afraid to make the offer that makes sense for you to purchase it at. Really consider that. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. Um, so it's sort of a, a kind of a comprehensive thing of like, like you said, seeing, kind of seeing the bigger picture. Uh, in a way. And that those would be some things I try to tell myself probably if I could go back. <laughs> do you do you remember if we talked about price at all with this one or were you I mean just because even when you said it when you were talking on the phone when you were headed towards that appointment and I've been there that you know you're like oh I got yeah. this one this is one I really you don't even almost care what it looks like you almost don't do the full inspection because yeah. part of you doesn't want to find yeah. out problems because I don't want to have to exactly. confront the seller I don't want to have to I just want this exactly. to go smoothly. I want to put my head on my pillow yes. tonight, and I want to know that I bought a home and <laughs> it all works out. And yeah. um, yes. this, and I love yeah, what you said about this. I think you really put your finger on it there. Here, yeah, uh, not um, not wanting to see problems. I definitely feel like I felt that way. You know. 
a great, you know, great to point it out about you don't have a time limit at this appointment to go through the home. Do you think that you were like, if you're going to sell a handyman special completely, okay. You know, I'm completely for it. However, transparency, be transparent, transparent, you know, let this dis disclose everything. If, if something doesn't work, I don't want that buyer thinking that it does work. Yeah. You know, I, so do, were, were, yeah. were you very transparent with these buyers or do you think that they were just younger and they had their, their, their eyes were too big for their stomach or you, you, you didn't really tell them all the things wrong with it or you didn't know. <laughs> and you know, were you setting like in hindsight, were they kind of being yeah. set up to fail in the beginning or just what's what are your thoughts there? I, I think I put, I think I put too much polish on something that didn't deserve it. You know, if I'm going to be really oh, honest, I, how so like just too much I, I cosmetic think, stuff. I think, yeah, you know, I kind of think like, I, I mean, I did, I did do cosmetic repairs and I think probably if there were other more serious issues, I didn't know about it, you know, and, okay. and they actually, they wanted to kind of rip everything out. So they ripped out all the kitchen cabinets and they ripped out all the carpets and they did, you know, and I wasn't, I, I just kind of didn't think the home really needed that. Um, but, um, but that was on them, and I think that was yeah. fine. I, I, with the roach problem, I thought, I, I really did think I had it under control, you know? And um, I did tell them that there had been, that there had been a pro problem, but th there was this kind of thing where it was like I was there during the day, and I'd have poison and out, and I was, like, sucking up all the dead roaches, and, <laughs> and it got less and less and less over the time that I was going there. And I was only going during the day because <laughs> home was, like, about an hour and 45 minutes from my home, you know, so it was kind of a, a hike, yeah. um, but uh, but I really did think, but uh, it was okay. But apparently at night, it, the roach problem would get really bad, and they were pretty grossed out by that, as is super uh, could be expected. Um, so that's a thing that I maybe downplayed, but really didn't fully understand uh, the full extent of how bad it was. Um, but I, I ended up paying for for, for their exterminator. Uh, uh, they got us exterminator that they wanted and I paid for it um, to make it right. Um, and then all the other stuff that may have happened while they were in there was part of the uh, complexity and um, maybe uh, vagueness of what all went on, the drug problem and the marriage problem after that. So I think probably on both sides, we both saw what we wanted to see in a, a little bit, you know. So. That's a really good I love the fact that you said that because it's not just one party's, you know, fault or the others. That person, I've been doing this long enough to see that, you know, as an investor, we should take the time to really know the people we are putting into our properties. It's not, ultimately, it's that gentleman, he, it was his drug problem. You know, it was his, the relationship that had nothing to do with you, with him and his girlfriend, or the situation that they were coming from, or the fact that they needed to be in a place because they might have been being evicted prior, or they had to run out of their home and they didn't tell their landlord, or, you know, whatever their prior situation is. But I mean, I, I did not mean to simply, you know, to just put that on you, because that is not necessarily your fault you know, for everything that transpired. Now, putting them into the home, I am a big believer that, 
you know, if I put somebody wrong into my property, that's not their fault. They might have fooled me. They might have, you know, been trying to manipulate mm-hmm. the situation. But ultimately, it's my fault. I'm the one that let them into my property. And for my first four to five years, and I've made a video on this, I had 100% people default on me. I had people would stay a year or two or three at the most. They would stay wow. a couple months. No one really damaged the property. It was only if they were like vindictive, like they were mad at me or something. But most people know that you know, if they can't pay, they can't stay. But for a v- variety of reasons, people would leave in the middle of the night. They would just up and like not answer my phone calls. I'd, I would go to the door and I could hear people inside and knocking on the doors, but nobody would answer. So I've, you know, me personally, it took me, I'm such a slow learner because it took me like four or five years to really start screening people well, really make them jump through a lot of hoops, really almost kind of poke the bear and put them in situation, you know, put people in situations that, you know, I want to know how they're going to react. There's so, there's so few people, you know, if you start a five-year relationship, um, out of curiosity, Ryan, what's the, what's the smallest, whenever you've sold a home on payments, what's the smallest amount of time that you're selling these homes for? Like four years? Uh, three, three years. Three years. Okay. I have one I did for three years. Yeah. So, it's, but they're usually they're three, four, and five years. Okay. Longer than. That. Um. Yeah. So the the three years, um, which I'm curious about why it's three years, but uh, and not closer to four or five, but uh, the three years one. I mean, you're getting into a relationship of somebody with three years. That's three Halloweens. That's three Christmases. That's three. You know. That's a long time, and most yeah. people, they don't live in a place for that long, or they're going to have a problem, or, or something's going to go wrong. Something's going to break in that home, and then whose problem is it? You know, I want to sell to people that are, you know, they're not renters at all. They don't have a renter mentality. They want to pay me off. They want to pay you off, and they want to get the homes for themselves. So it's like me personally, and it, it was nice, and it was kind of humbling in the past few days prior to this podcast, Ryan, thinking about like, you know, why did I rush into those deals? Like, why did I rush into selling to people? Mm. And to be honest with you, it was it was a lack of kind of the same thing. I didn't want to uncover things I didn't want to uncover. I wanted to see what I wanted to see. It's like that confirmation bias of, you know, I you know, this guy's talking to me right now, like it's today's date, and this guy's talking to me so sweet yeah. and what he's saying to me, I believe him, and I don't want to look in his past. I don't want to find things I might find because he's got three grand and I yeah. can take the three grand down and ooh, that'd be so sweet to have. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it took me way too long to realize having an empty property is way better than having somebody sketchy inside or somebody like that's going to cause you yeah. problems or even like even if they cause them 6 months down the road it's like that 6 months is coming they're going to drag their feet they're going to not pay yeah. you you're going to get it back you're going to have to refill it you're just kicking the can down the road when you fill it up with a not that qualified person unless that's your business model and you want to take the down payment and sell it for maybe a little bit of time get it back and then do it again which i had enough of very quickly um so I know me personally running, yeah. you know, uh, not doing background checks on people, you know, only letting the park do it, not calling people's um, landlords, not calling people's uh, works, not or, or jobs, not going to their home to see what it currently looks like, not seeing what their car looks like, really jumping through hoops. I mean, if you put in good people, you can eliminate a lot of those, the people that are going to, you know, waste your time, cause you problems, um, so I guess yeah. I'm sort of going around circles here, but I, I, that was a huge thing for me is putting the wrong people. You can do yeah. everything right. You can buy it right, fix it right, sell it the right price, and you put the wrong person in, yeah. 
and you still have that feeling yeah. of, oh god, this this sucks. Um, so, anyway, yeah. I, 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 I I don't know what you... I, this this is no, this is great, and this is definitely something I'm still learning a lot about. Definitely, and you know, screening and and, and how to figure that out. And I, I guess it kind of seems like um, because I the rushing in idea, you know, definitely applies and and most lastingly applies to like the tenant buyer side because it's like, yeah, I mean, you get over having to do more repairs or, or, you know, or whatever, or the stress of it, you know, once, once the deal's done and it's resold, you kind of, you recover from, from those effects a lot. But like you said, having the tenant buyer is a years long relationship and it's like, you could get lucky with a good tenant buyer, but um, it's almost like, why take the chance? Um, But I definitely understand like the feeling like I have where I'm like, You've got the money, and you you've responded, and I will take that money, and we'll figure it out later. Yeah. And, and that's like <laughs> like, like, the, like my later. fundamental attitude that's been problematic. It's like I'll just figure it out later. You know, it's like <laughs> this home is the right price, and I can buy it, and I don't know what all repairs it needs. I will figure it out later. You know, this person has the cash. I'll figure it out later. And uh, and I think my wife has actually said something too that I've been thinking about for about the past year. Because I kind of think like, like back, I used to be kind of a perfectionist about little projects I would have, you know, maybe be around the house or something. And it's like, I would be such a perfectionist that I'd never get them done, you know? So over a while, I started just kind of rushing into projects because it actually provided a little bit of the antidote to perfectionism that I needed, you know? But I've gotten too much on the side of rushing into stuff and being okay with leaving it half done that it's like driving my wife crazy. And a thing that we did was uh, like last uh, last winter, we, we got some ducks. And uh, we were like gonna build a duck coop in our backyard and my wife wanted to like research the perfect, uh, like the perfect duck coop and like what type, of, like what all the wood we needed and go to Home Depot together and look at everything and pick it all out perfect. And I was kind of like, listen, we got four hours here on Saturday that I can work on this. I'm just gonna go get started. You know, and you come to me with ideas, you know, and she said, and she was very frustrated by this, and it was like a big communication problem, and she's like, says to me later, she's like, your philosophy is this, why plan it when I can just do it and screw it up? And I was like, ooh. <laughs> but I was home. like, it's true, you know. At some level, I have this, I do have that idea where I'm just like, I prefer to just get it done, even if I screw it up. Uh you know, so that I can get it done. But later on, I'm sorry because I've screwed it up, you know. And so it's like I um, – so there's this – I feel like I have this kind of thing that's been happening uh, with me. And it's sort of – you know, and it's applied to, you know, my mobile home investment too. When you, when you first identify it, I mean, when, when you say that, that's something that I think as people, we are a lot more alike than we are different. And that's something that I know I've like that saying that goes, you know, you know enough just to be dangerous and you can really, yeah. even if you think you're doing the right thing, you can just be spinning your wheels. Thank you for opening up about that. Did you have, uh, oh, yeah. did you have another deal example or uh, a rushing into a rushing into an opportunity? I think probably uh, the third deal I did, um, and then actually the fifth deal I did, this both happened with, and I'll never do this again, but it was kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, I took a look around, I saw the repairs that I thought were needed, which ended up being way more expensive. Uh, but uh, this 
uh, and and so so I bought the home, you know, for for like a pretty good price in both in both both times. One was like a just a fifteen hundred dollar home, and the other one was um, I just paid uh, like two or three thousand dollars just back lot rent to the to the park um, to get it. Um, and you do a great job with the repairs with kind of estimating repair costs ahead of time. But the thing that I remember most about them is that in each case with the seller, I was so um, I was so uh, ready to do the deal. I was so you know uh, just wanted to get the deal done. I uh, they had they they needed some time to move out, and I said that was okay. I had a good rapport with them, and I said I'll like give you this payment. We'll sign the agreement. We'll sign over the title. I'll give you the whole payment, and you be out by this day, and I'll check back in with you, and and you know we'll be good. And uh, in both cases, the uh, the sellers left me with a, a home full of their stuff, you know, and it like completely full, like all their stuff, like the kitchen table, like their clothes. And in one of the cases, it was like a, a, a water bed was in the back bedroom filled with water. <laughs> like that's a, like drain the whole water bed out, you know, and. Uh, and so that was like a big lesson for me. Like I'll never again, ever, 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 if someone needs to move out, give them the full payment up front for the title. Like, uh, and then this happened just a couple months ago. She needed the same thing, and I was like, oh, I'm going to give you half the payment now, half the payment when you move out. And um, and sure enough, on the day that she needed, that we had said to move out, she was not moved out, and I withhold, withheld the payment. And then we agreed on the Monday after that, and she was moved out by then. And so I was. It was a. a Took me three, took me, took me two or three times to learn, uh, you know, to do to do that. But definitely don't rush to buy it, you know, if the seller's not ready to move out. Because man, oh man. <laughs> well, one of the benefits. So you, uh, I mean, one of the benefits of working with a real estate investor for 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 sellers is that they we're not a traditional buyer. They can we can purchase the home. We can give them. 50, 60, 70% of their money, you know, at closing, and then we can keep an agreement and then, you know, some of their money out and we can give that, we can let them stay a week, two, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. They're paying lot rent, of course. And then they leave on, you know, they leave when they say they're going to leave whenever we've signed it and the, the home's clean, it's broom swept, all the appliances are there. There's no extra holes that we're not expecting, or there's no water beds. That's something that's a clear, I mean, in my business, it's a, like this is how we do business. We've been burned in the past, Mr. Seller. I know you wouldn't leave anything, but other people have. So this is just how we do business. So that's that's like a that's a deal breaker for me. I know I'm guessing that past John must have said, you know, Ryan, don't give them all their money because the money that you're holding from them, that's like like that's what they want. They want their money. We got them by the, you know, yeah. by the cojones. If we give them that money, we have no we're just like begging on our knees. Please leave when you say, please don't damage the property anymore. Yeah. I mean, we could evict them, but that would be a pain. So what was it? I mean, I'm, a, I'm maybe, maybe I didn't tell you that, but what was it that you did give them all their money? You just, was it a confrontational thing or, or yeah, what was the, I'm curious on why you, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. Why'd you, why'd you give yeah, them all you the know, money? We didn't, we didn't <laughs> even address it. We didn't even address it really. I, I was kind of just oh. like, um, Again, I think just eager, and I trusted them, and I had this good rapport, even you know, with them, and I sort of felt, I felt like I could do it. And um, in both situations, it was kind of a low amount of money, so I didn't sort of realize, 
really the thing is, regardless of the amount of money, it's kind of like the fact that there's still money on the table, you know, for them, um, is the incentive, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It was just kind of naivety, and I wanted to be nice and well, kind of do I, a nice thing and, you know, and trust them, you know, show that I, I trusted them a, and show them nice, that this was a good deal, you know. <laughs> I wanted to do a nice thing. You were doing a nice thing by buying their home to begin with and letting them stay and giving them, the, yeah. you know, a good price and showing up when you did and getting approved. I apologize. That is a red, you know, that's a, that's a, at least a deal breaker for me. I mean, I'm not giving you all your money until you're out of the home. So I apologize if that wasn't talked about or if sure. I pushed that as much, um, because that's a clear, every time I've held money from people, they leave when they say they will. One guy left the home a little yeah. junkier. So I took some money out, but yeah, everyone leaves when they say, because they want their money. So, um, yep. but that's a, so, but you're right. That's a lesson that you, um, now you rushed into that one. That wasn't even your fault. I mean, you know, some of this is like, okay, I'm not going to do a full inspection because, you know, part of me's lazy yeah. or greedy, or I just want to do this deal. Um, and I don't want to know what I don't want to know. But this one was something that you, you know, through no fault of your own, you gave them all your money, you trusted them and you didn't even see this could be an option, you know? Oh, they're, they might leave all their crap because you wouldn't do that. You're conscious and you, you know that if I don't do it, someone else is going to have to do it. But no, their, their time and money is more important than your time and money, Ryan. Like, you know, clearly they left it. They're like, ah, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll let Ryan deal with it. He bought it. He can have it all. So, yeah. and similarly, I, I wish at, at, at that time I would have slowed down and thought a little bit because not to say these people are bad people at all. I just think I, I wish I would have said like, thought a little bit more about human nature and it's just like a lot of times we just need being like we just need an incentive to kind of do the right thing and the path of least resistance is so uh so attractive you know it's like this guy already gave me my money you know oh it's gonna gosh, take me forever right. to move my stuff out and to i have nobody to help me <laughs> you know and it's like i'll just leave it and i'll ignore him you know and i can you know, <laughs> and it's not, it's just, I just, that is such a powerful urge or temptation for most people. I think if, if I, if I would have gone back and told myself again, like, just think about the way people are actually by withholding the money, you're actually doing something better for them. You're giving them an incentive to like keep their end of the bargain, which is acting rightly in a good way. And it's actually like better for them to do that. And it's better for everybody. And, uh, you know, you're helping them keep the bargain, keep the agreement, you know, and that's really a good thing. And I wish I just would have thought about that rather than, I mean, really it was very, the, 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 again, the, the, the punishment was kind of was low because it just, in each case, it was basically a day of my time filling up my truck with, with their junk, you know? Uh, so in the grand scheme of things, it's things that wasn't a very expensive mistake, but, but I definitely a, a powerful one for me actually. So. <laughs> We, we learn so much about human nature. I mean, we're thrown into this. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know other types of industries because I'm not in those industries. But I know with real estate investing, we are placed in this position of, you know, dealing with the public. If you're an active investor, uh, especially dealing with maybe it's different dealing with million dollar properties, but dealing with mobile homes and dealing, you know, with with mobile home folks, um, you know, not good or bad. It's just, it is, it is what it is. And it's certainly a crash course in like getting, yeah, people, 
not getting screwed over. I yeah. don't want to paint that bleak picture of it at yeah. all. But just protecting yourself, protecting yourself, protecting your buyers, protecting your sellers, um, knowing like, you know, kind of knowing the path ahead of you, you know, knowing the I, I like how we're sort of pointing out on this podcast, you know, some mistakes are more detrimental than others. Some just cost you time. Some cost you, you know, a slap on the wrist. Come, Some cost you your credit or your stress or your, you know, a lot of money or something bigger. Um, and then others are just little dinky ones that, you know, oh, it's like, oh, I should have, oh, I didn't see that coming or, you know, and it's just a little nothing. That's actually a good question. What if you, I mean, what's the answer to, to doing something that you don't know? The only, I mean, the only things I can think of are become knowledgeable about it. I mean, read books, read blog posts, mm -hmm. um, read courses on this, have a mentor, have somebody local that you can bounce ideas off of. Off, off of. Um, I mean, are there other ways to sort of yeah. get like, because if you don't know the path ahead of you, you know, again, some things come from laziness and like, oh, I know I should have did that. And other things are like, I wouldn't have known that. That's something that, you know, now that I've been screwed over, now I know that. Yeah. But it's like, how do you, any, any other thoughts there besides sort of, you know, get educated, have a mentor, yeah. have some, yeah, is there anything else I'm missing or besides experience being a teacher? Well, you know, well, yeah, I think all those things are important. And you talked about like analysis paralysis earlier. And mm -hmm. I, I think there's an interesting fact of uh, life, but also especially like real estate investing, which is like mistakes are just inevitable, you know, and I think. It's a really interesting uh, industry because you can self-educate a lot and network and find out a lot of information from mentors and other people that are doing it in like podcasts like this. Um, and yet, uh, you like never. It's like we'll never know everything, you know, and we'll never have done every deal under the sun, and we'll never have worked with every possible person, and there'll always be surprises. And I think sort of so. There's like this happy place where you can get be like. I've looked and read as much as I can. I've thought about this deal as much as I can, and I'm comfortable moving forward knowing that there could be surprises, knowing that I could still make mistakes, and that's just okay. Like, that's part of just the risk that I'm just taking um, to try to do something that's lucrative or, or that's really beneficial or very fruitful or, or a really big deal or something like that. So to me, there's both those two aspects kind of go hand in hand. Um, and uh, uh, so getting getting as educated as possible, I think, um, and vetting vetting a deal as much as you possibly can, realizing that you do have just some natural constraints both with time and with, uh, you know, brain power or future predicting ability. So. You're, you're, completely, you're completely right. Even if you do everything, example of uh, one of the first deals I did, I, I did... I did a lot right. I purchased the home at a really good price. I uh, this was a mobile home in a park. I purchased the mobile home in a park uh, for a really good price. You know, I looked at the home, I looked at the repairs, got into it really well. And then a couple days after I purchased the home, some lady who I've never met, she uh, I forget what her name was. She she wrote on the back of an envelope, just a, an empty envelope, and she just kind of wrote a message on it. She said, "Hello, John Fedro. You know, I know that you bought this home from, I forget the seller's name now, but you know, Sandra B. And uh, you know, for this much, pro like she knew my name, she knew what I bought the home for, and she said, "Well, what you didn't know is I, the seller, still owed me money, and they owed me. I don't know." 
this <laughs> this oh, story wow. isn't very good because I don't remember any numbers about it. But it's like you owe me fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars. It wasn't a lot, but it was like, oh well, you know, that's I don't want to pay that, and I don't. I mean, that sucks, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a deal breaker if I had to pay it. Maybe it was three thousand. Anyway, it was some amount of money, less than three grand, and I didn't know what to do. And I I had already taken the title at the time, and I had already already transferred mm-hmm. it into my name. There was no liens on the title anywhere, and. Yeah. I, I called yeah. up a pseudo mentor I had at the time and let me know, you know, it's John, if you titled this into your name already, if there was no tight, if there was no lien on the actual title where when you looked like you caught, you looked mm-hmm. at the title and you called up the state, you verified there were no liens. You're not the one in trouble. The lady who wrote you that envelope, she's not in trouble either. She just lost her money. She didn't protect her interest back, yeah. you know, in history, back in time. And she trusted the, the, the person I bought it from. And so did I. Like, I trusted this sweet lady who sold me this property, and she didn't tell me anything. She knew she owed money to this person, and I gave her money. And if I would have yeah. known she owed money, I probably would have given the money to the lady who it, you know, belongs to. But ultimately, there was mm-hmm. no lien on the title. And so, I mean, I did everything right, but it was still a moment of like panic and like, oh crap, what did I yeah. do? And I don't, you know, luckily I had somebody to talk to and call. And it was a quickly, quickly, I relieved, I was relieved of the situation. But um, again, that one was sort of like, I mean, I don't, I don't think that was rushing into it. But like you said, it was something that was unforeseen. And, uh, you know, it turned out to be yeah. okay for me. But, uh, but just, this is so true. I mean, we can, you know, rushing into things or moving too fast, human nature, uh, whether it's like we're, whether it's something like we're sometimes our own, our own worst enemies sometimes or like the ones oh, that yeah. like, sabotage <laughs> ourselves. Um, let yeah, let alone all the people that lie to us or the whole, you know, we don't have x-ray vision. We can't see through walls. So it's like we have so many different hats yeah. to wear from paperwork and closing to dealing with people and buyers and sellers. And we didn't even talk about handymen and being taken, you know, taken advantage there. Um, again, just by people that, you yeah. know, they see you coming and licking their lips. They just, you know, they look at you like a big dollar sign. They want your money. How can I get one over and that sucks that we even have to think about that like who's going to try to take advantage of me Uh, i try not to think like that but there's definitely you know red flags and deal breakers and we want to have our eyes fully fully open um going into every not just going into every deal going into every deal going out of every deal and i like what you said before you you just touched on it real quick and i didn't even bring it up or i didn't go back to it you mentioned something the effect of that every day is different and that's something I say to myself a couple times a week is like, I love this business because when we wake up in the morning, we don't know, new, you know, am I going to find a new buyer that's going to come my way with a big down payment? Or is there going to be a you know different buyer with some other property that I have for sale or a seller that's just going to come out of the woodwork or somebody I'm going to call back that's going to, you know, turn into something. So it's like every day there's, if you're marketing and advertising and people know who you are, um, you know, there's, there's more things kind of happening every day. And, um, and I know that, you know, that Ryan, so, um, thank you so much for yeah, being here. I, that's, that's, I love, that's the exciting part of the business. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it is great. I'm happy to talk about it all day. <laughs> awesome. We could, oh my God. Like I have two pages here of just different stories that I was, yeah. Well, I was hoping to be done this in like a half an hour, but it's like going on 56 minutes now. So, <laughs> um, but thank you so much for being here, seriously, and opening up and being, yeah, I mean, like vulnerable to some extent to put your, you know, to 
because we make mistakes. We, and it's, you know, it's ultimately us. Like, and I think yeah. that's huge when you can admit, like, it's nobody's fault. I put these people into my property. I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And the first time I try not to punish myself or beat myself up too much, the first time that it happens, but I don't want it to happen again. I, I just wanted to say, I think one thing that you said earlier is really interesting about kind of the, there's like a temptation to have a cynical view. Like if you get, if you get burned one too many times uh, or something like you tend tempted to sort of like look at people as like, oh, everybody's just out to, out to screw you, you know? Um, but I think that like one thing that you kind of, uh, is really good about working with you, one thing that you've like really talked about is kind of like ha just having good policies in place, you know, that come from all these learning experiences. So if you know, like I'm screening the tenant buyer, I definitely, I, all the time I just go down the list, I do this, I do the background check and I do the credit check and I do this and I talk with them and I go, and just I just follow the process, and it's just my policy. You like get to take out actually a lot of this stuff of like, is it a good person? Am I being a good person? Am I being nice? Am I like reading the situation okay? Uh, it takes a whole ton of the pressure off of that. Um, and so I think policies, having like a good strategy or policy or whatever, just the way that you do business, gets rid of a lot of the variable. Uh, elements in, in, in human nature in a lot of these dealings um, and can actually make it better a better experience for, for buyer and seller on, on, on both on both accounts. So. You are so, so, so correct. I got chills as you were saying that because there's a clear difference. It and it takes the um it takes the emotion out of it. Uh, I'm curious, yeah, sure. what are your um your goals for the rest for the rest of the year? There's a few more months left. I'm interested in doing in some of the more expensive parks, uh, doing some more wholesale deals. Oh, cool! Uh, that's kind of um, been coming up more recently. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. Also, just just right now, I'm in definitely in lead generation mode and um, looking for the next one to buy. Right. So hoping to do hoping to do probably three more before the end of the year. Excellent. And the only thing we can control, you know, obviously is the marketing, the follow up, the offers that we're making, who we're talking to, who knows about us. Uh, yeah, people aren't for, uh, dumb, but they are forgetful. So make sure that you're, uh, you know, doing everything that we talk about. Yeah. But keep me posted. Yeah, anything you need, I'll be here. Thank you so much again for coming on this podcast and and really giving a My lot pleasure. of great Thank stuff. Well. I wrote down a couple notes as well. So, um, yeah, if you need anything else, cool. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for being here and uh, see you on the next one. The ideas and advice given in today's episode are for entertainment purposes only. If you have future ideas or questions for upcoming episodes, please email us at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, the biggest compliment you can give is to like and share this podcast with your friends. 